Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and joining me once again, my co-host, Grape Viney. Good evening, Grape Viney. Good evening, Andy. And joining us in a little a little bit later in the program will be Super Mercado, aka at Demon Blog, to discuss our incredible victory over the Cats. Because in a moment we'll be chatting with Demon rookie Charlie Spargo. If you would like to join our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, you can give us a call on zero three nine zero one six three triple six. Or you can Skype us at Demonland31. If you're listening to the show live, you can join us in our chat room where you can ask questions or post comments by heading over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via iTunes or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the show to receive updates when a new show drops. Don't forget to leave us a favorable review to help more people find us. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31 or on Twitter at demonland or Instagram on demonland at demonland31 or search for us on YouTube by searching for Demonland Podcast and you can listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted with current and past players and coaches. Um, or if you just love talking about the D's 24-7 all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and chat with other D's fans in the asylum. It's completely free. And now with that out of the way, Great Viney, did you lose your voice on the weekend like I did? I preserved it, actually, Andy, because it was nearly gone at about quarter time. So, uh, And I had a splitting headache uh, very early uh, in the second quarter from uh, shouting so much. So I had to, uh, had to tone things down a little bit. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen the end of the match, but... Uh, I was pretty husky for a day or two afterwards, yep. See, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the finals football because I, I used to, I used to back in the 90s and early 2000s, I used to lose my voice on a regular basis. Um, but I haven't done that. And maybe it's I'm a bit older. I don't know if I've mellowed out. I still yell at the umpires, but I think I lost my voice and I had lost it for I only really got it back yesterday. Um, but I think I lost it not from the shouting at umpires and stuff like that. It, it was more... The raw, like particularly, I think I really lost it uh, after the Hannon goal. Just my that type of uh, cheering uh, did it for me. Um, So yeah. How many times have you watched the Hannon goal on replay yet? And there goes. uh, We'll just have to hang up on that. Damn uh, Skype. Uh, The new version of Skype, you can't mute the sounds. Um, So. Uh, I'll have to work that out on that one in a moment. Uh, if someone was trying to call the show now, uh, we won't not taking calls at the moment because we're going to be speaking to Charlie uh, in a moment. Uh, we will take your calls after that. Uh, we're happy to take calls, so give us a call back after the Charlie Spargo interview. Um, sorry, what was that, uh, Great Viney? Uh, how many times have you watched the Hannon goal on replay? I've watched it multiple times with multiple different commentators and uh, different versions of uh, songs. <laughs> Just trying to find that that right mix. Um, BT's commentary uh, wasn't great. Uh, I, I don't think he understands um, uh, lengths and uh, how no. much five metres is. Because uh, Hannon, uh, according to him, Hannon ran about uh, 7,000 metres. Yeah, and uh, he got metres and minutes mixed up uh, <laughs> yes. just before that, extended it by 35 minutes, so he didn't know what was going on. And as you say, it was a pretty 
pretty dull call. Uh, the Jared Whiteley call on SEN uh, was probably the best. I haven't seen it put to the vision yet. I like when they pair up the best audio with the TV footage. So I haven't seen that pop up yet. Uh, you will um, be able to. No, that has popped up. I've, I've seen that. Um, you should I'll, be, I'll have to have a look. should be able to find that one uh, pretty easily. Um I will. I, what we'll do now, we, we're going to go grab uh, Charlie. We'll get Charlie on the on the phone. Uh, we'll put you on. Um, we'll put you back on the audio you were hearing uh, pre-show, and then when we come back, um, we'll have Charlie Spargo. So we'll be back in a moment, guys. Pick twenty-nine in the twenty seventeen draft. Charlie Spargo, and there he is, taking a mark at half forward. A fantastic footy family. Inside fifty once again. Um, scouting is the young oh. kicks for goal oh. and he's pumped get around there Bargo gets his first and they're having a crack and that's Charlie Spargo not surprisingly he's in that blue too uh, Jason got a 19 year old kicking from 40 metres the drop punt is on its way and it's good he's got two this young man he just looks like an actual footy player Chief doesn't he and he does this Our guest tonight made his debut against the Bombers in round six at Etihad Stadium and in doing so made football history, becoming the only family to have produced four successive generations of VFL-AFL players. His tenacity and hard work have seen him keep his spot in the team despite stiff competition for spots in what is a very dynamic forward line. Welcome to the Demonland podcast, Charlie Spargo. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So Charlie, um, uh, we know you were me- you've meant to have moved on, and you're concentrating on uh, the coming week's game against the Hawks. But you still surely must be buzzing from Friday night's win. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's easily the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. I'm not sure about the other guys, but I think it was 91,000 around the mark. And I did take my time uh, before the game when we were running out, when I was warming up, and then towards the end when, when I thought we had it wrapped up, and then. Once the siren, got, siren went, I did take my time to savour it all in. It was pretty, pretty, pretty special moment, and I know I've, I've considered myself pretty lucky to come into a side you know, in my first year and be able to play finals. Like I was talking to Nathan Jones before the game, and and he was saying, you know, don't take it for granted because he came in and played finals in his first couple of years, and and then didn't play again for 12 years. So yeah, pretty lucky. Uh, fingers crossed that that uh, that doesn't happen again. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, playing in front of 91,000 people, from the crowd perspective, it certainly felt like most of the crowd was barracking for Melbourne. Did you get a sense of that out on the field, that it was a, a demon's crowd? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was when Geelong ran in to open goals a couple of times and they missed from probably 15 metres out or something like that. Um, it, it seemed like that when Geelong was missing, it was actually louder. When when they were kicking goals, so yeah, it definitely seemed like Melbourne had a lot more people there. Oh yeah, um, from a supporter's perspective, you de- we definitely got that sense as well. Yeah. Um, Charlie, you played uh, in an elimination final in just your 16th game, which is a dr- dream come true for any youngster. Uh, what were your expectations coming into the season? Was it just to get a senior game? Um, could you even anticipate um, that you would be playing in September? Yeah, I I was just really hoping to play some sort of senior footy. Um, I had a shoulder injury coming into pre-season, so I wasn't sure how that would affect me in, in terms of selection, how fit I'd be coming into the season. And then 
Uh, in my first VFL game for the year, I got suspended for a week. So I was sort of didn't have much continuity earlier in the year and I wasn't sure whether I was going to play. But, yeah, pretty lucky to come in when I did, when we started winning some games. And, yeah, very privileged to, to be playing in the finals in my first year. Were you nervous at all in the days leading up to uh, Friday night's game or, or during the pre-match? What was the overriding emotion uh, yeah, in, in the lead-up? I, I tend to not be too nervous in the, the few days before a game, but on the day of a game, I really do get nervous, especially uh, a night game. You sit around all day sort of waiting for it to happen. So I tried to do my best to, to get out of the house and keep my mind off it. But, yeah, it was tough. Uh, Charlie, you made your debut against Essendon in round six and you had an, an encounter with uh, Brendan Goddard, who it's fair to say isn't the most popular of players amongst opposition <laughs> fans. Uh, what did you say yeah. to him? <laughs> uh, no, there was actually nothing nothing said between us. It was just a bit of, bit of jumper punching and a, yeah, a bit of a wrestle. It actually wasn't... It was, there was a contest and he sort of nabbed me, so I gave him a push and then yeah, one thing led to another. We were on the ground wrestling, but... Nah, there was actually nothing said. It was a bit weird. Uh, you don't mind cracking in, do you? Uh, yeah, no, it's not too bad. I sort of my, my dad obviously played a fair bit of footy, and so did his his dad and stuff like that. And they always taught me you can't deviate off the line of the ball. So I try my best to do that. You know, just on that, um, your debut created history. The Spargo's becoming the first family to produce four successive generations of players. Uh, and just for our listeners, um, to let them know, your great-grandfather, Bob Senior, played uh, 65 games for Footscray and two games for the Demons. Your yep. grandfather, Bob Junior, played 80 games for Footscray. And your father, Paul, played 90 games uh, for North and Brisbane. Uh, you also had a great uncle, Ricky, who played um, uh, 60-odd games for Footscray in the late 60s and early 70s. It's quite a pedigree. Um, your dad was on hand at the jumper presentation ceremony uh, before the Essendon game. It must have been a, a special moment for you and the family. Yeah, it was. And, um, yeah, dad was very proud of me that day. And I'm very grateful for, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of footy in my bloodlines and they've helped me out. Uh, a fair bit. Dad's always, you know, whenever I need advice, dad's always, um, dad's always helped me out with that. And then so is my grandpa, Bobby. Um, never met my gra- my great grandpa, Bob Senior, but yeah, a lot of things that have been passed down from him uh, keep getting passed down to me. So yeah, pretty special that it could be fourth generation. And yes, yeah, so dad was certainly pretty proud when I when I got to play. You talked about, uh, you know, that you don't really get nervous in the days leading up, but on game day you do. But uh, is it true that you slept in on the morning of your debut uh, and also that uh, you didn't know how to even get to Etihad Stadium? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I knew how to get to Etihad Stadium, but I wasn't sure. I don't, I don't think many people were sure because uh, Melbourne don't really play there that much as far as I know, but... Um, yeah, I didn't know where which car park entry to go in, so I had to follow Bailey Fritzian, who actually <laughs> didn't know either, because he hadn't played there before. So, yeah, I slept in until probably about 10, which was good. Less time to think about the game, and then, and then yeah, I had a bit of trouble getting in, but, but sorted out. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, we've spoken about your footballing family. Did you always want to play um, professionally growing up? Yeah, I did. Um, Dad never put any pressure on me to play. Of course, he was always... Uh, very supportive of me in whatever I wanted to do, whether that was that was study or footy or whatever. But yeah, I always uh, felt like I wanted to play AFL, especially around probably 
when I got to probably about 16, I started playing some good footy uh, in the under-16s and the Nationals, and I sort of thought that I was a bit of a chance, so I decided to put my head down and, and yeah, um, ended up getting drafted. Along the way, were you ever told that you weren't tall enough to make the grade? And if so, how did you respond to opinions like that? Um, I actually had a lot of support from, from whatever coach I had. No one ever really... I didn't really not get picked because of my height and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was pretty lucky that I didn't have many people telling me I couldn't do it. But in saying that, whenever I'm playing, I really do, don't worry about my height at all. It's more when maybe when I was off-field during my draft years and stuff like that, I was thinking perhaps they'll pick someone else ahead of me uh, because they're taller and they might project a bit better at AFL level. But when I'm playing, I really don't worry about it at all. There's been a lot of conjecture on uh, the forum that we're all on um, about your nickname. Um, some people think it might be Sparky. Others call you Spartacus. Um, can you well. put the debate to rest? What do the boys call you? Uh, yeah, I haven't heard those two uh, around the club. <laughs> that must be fan nicknames. But, um, I know, I'll get a fair few different ones. Um, Sparks has sort of been my one. I've had my whole life. That's what most people sort of catch on to just because of my last name. But uh, one that's been, been developed this year from... A few of the coaches is Jack Sparrow. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, I've got a fair few nicknames. It's a bit weird. I sort of don't know what to respond to sometimes. It, to be fair, the one that uh, one of the ones that uh, my co-host Jason uh, mentioned, um, Spartacus, was we were at the um, we we're at the Gold Coast game. You played on the Gabba, and I think there was yeah. just a drunk guy in the crowd who was calling you Spartacus. So <laughs> for, yeah. between us, there that's, <laughs> that's where that uh, that came about. Uh, there seems to be an incredible camaraderie among the playing group. Uh, where does that come from, and how do you build something like that 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 just seems so authentic and genuine? Yeah, well, I think uh, Simon Goodwin, the coach, he, he drives it a lot. He drives togetherness. That's one of our pillars uh, that we like to sort of pride ourselves on in our cultures is having, you know, being very close with one another and and togetherness sort of drives us within games. Uh, we can sort of turn to each other uh, maybe when the other team's got momentum or something and feed off each other. Um, and I, don't know, I know, you know, prior to me coming, uh, they've been building a culture for a while that sort of supports that, so... Yeah, pretty lucky to step into it the way it is. We hear a lot these days about players playing their role. Um, what's your role specifically? Um, do you have certain KPIs you need to meet? Uh, does it change from week, week to week? What are Goody's instructions to you other than uh, obviously to bring pressure, which seems to be a, a key theme um, across the field? Um, I think well, one of my natural sort of strengths is, is my running ability and my pace and, and fitness so um, I'm encouraged from the coaches to to run and open up space and and work hard as much as I can so yeah obviously you got your your traditional small forward stats such as pressure and goals but yeah running and, and providing options is, is probably another thing that I'm encouraged to do. Uh, we hear a lot of thing, a lot of people sort of saying that you know the first year players sort of tire towards the end of the season. Are you finding that uh, you're getting tired towards the end of end of this season? You know, it's a long season now with finals as well. Yeah, it's, it is certainly a lot longer than I don't know, a lot of other first year players would have had before, and and you do some feel somewhat uh, fatigued, probably around from probably round eighteen to round twenty two, but. In saying that, um, the high-performance staff at Melbourne have done a lot uh, for the first-year players at Melbourne to sort of 
man, just because they know it's a load that we've never really had before. So if there's a part of the week where, you know, you can sort of have off or rest, they'll give it to you um, to ensure that, you know, you're at your best come game day on the weekend. And do you think your role will change in the future? Can you see yourself playing in the midfield at some stage? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I've done a bit of work with the mids this year. I've been up on the wing, you know, a couple of times this year, but I'll sort of just do whatever's asked of me. I did play midfield a lot uh, when I was when I was younger, uh, in under 18s and stuff like that. So I still feel like I can, I could be a midfielder. But yeah, whatever whatever Melbourne asks of me, I'll do. Is there a senior player or players uh, who you turn to for advice? Um, probably Alex Neilborn and Jake Melksham, two of the two of the leaders in the forward line that sort of play similar roles to me. I, I like to feed off and ask questions. Tom McDonald as well, just being the general forward line leader. So uh, Alex Neilborn, he obviously a very hard worker and, and a great tackler. So uh, that's sort of the type of player I'd like to be one day. And then Jake Melksham. Um, you know, his marking craft and his one-on-one stuff's pretty good. So I sort of like to watch those two guys. Uh, one one last one uh, before we let you go. Uh, you did a Q&A with the club where you were listed as you listed rapping as your hidden talent. Uh, can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? You want to <laughs> you want to make your rapping debut on the Demon Land podcast? Um, <laughs> I will not it. make my rapping debut on the Demon Land. I don't like to share it that much. Um, I know I just like rap music in general and, we had to do some performances earlier in the year in front of everyone um, <laughs> on our own. or Yeah, so uh, me and, and Chris Tracker and Christian Sale and Jack Finey, we, uh, we we did a rap song in front of everyone. We went pretty well. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Charlie, congratulations on the incredible debut year you've had to date. Uh, you've certainly exceeded all expectations that supporters have for any first-year player and, and then some. So best of luck for the rest of the season and beyond. We're we're very excited with what we've seen so far and what's to come in the future. So thank you for t- your time tonight. Thanks, Jason. Andy, thanks for having me, boys. Not a problem. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Well, that was uh, that was Charlie Spargo, uh, rookie uh, demon, uh, and he's he's had a, a fantastic year. We've said it week in week out that you know he's really exceeded all expectations um, that that we expected when he got drafted, and um, you know he keeps doing all the you know one percenters and you know chips in for goals here and there, and um, yeah, I'm I'm really wrapped with the season he's had, and I look forward to his him in the future. As an interview subject, he's a bit like how he is on the field. He's mature beyond his years a bit. Um, certainly didn't sound like you were sort of didn't sound like we were talking to a uh, to a young kid, did it? Um, so yeah, agree with everything you said there. Yeah, no. It, look, I, I think all the all the guys that we've uh, interviewed this year uh, have sort of been similar. Um, all sort of seem to have a good uh, head on their shoulders and. Um, yeah, I've been uh, wrapped with the guys we've spoken to because they all seem to be, you know, sort of like upstanding uh, citizens. So, um, yeah, that was... Uh, Do you reckon one. the club's keeping the dickheads away from us? <laughs> I don't know. And not putting them to air? <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's it's good experience for Charlie as well, like, to come on, you know, speak to us <laughs> before he gets into the big leagues. Um, True. Super Mercado, are you... Oh, well, you won't be on the uh, Are you on the line? Well, speaking of dickheads being put to air, yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making that uh, segue. Uh, I didn't want to do that uh, uh, to a co-host, but uh, yes, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast. Uh, did did you? I know I have sort of spoken. You did lose your voice. 
I did. I put it away. I'd been ill all week, and then the uh, singing of the theme song absolutely shredded it to pieces for the next few days. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I sang the theme song. I think when we started to to pull out of the depths a few years ago, I, I made a, a vow to myself not to sing it until it was worth it. Oh, so you, you uh, don't and, sing uh, the you don't sing the theme song on on a weekly basis? Not regularly, no. Mm, I like wow. to uh, keep it for a real uh, throat shredding massacre rendition like I did last week and just totally just destroy my voice in, in celebration. So I don't like to sing it before the game. I don't know if it's a superstition or not, um, but I certainly, you know, if we have a good win, we'll be singing it uh, uh, at the end and um, ask for another, ver- uh, ask for it again and again. I think we, did we get it three times? Uh, did they play it yep. three times for us? Yep. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, well, let's talk about the game. Uh Amazing, wasn't it? Uh, uh, that first quarter was just, um, we came out firing out of the blocks and, you know, just put them to bed uh, very, very early. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, boys, on the on the first quarter? Grapevine, I'll start with you. Uh, well, it, uh, it went like a dream, basically. <laughs> I think apart from perhaps the first two or three minutes, where uh, Geelong sort of seemed to be on top in those very first minutes. We then settled in really quickly. The tackling was ferocious and brutal, as it was all night. And, uh, look, a lot of our ball use was really good, hitting up targets. Um, uh, Sam Wiedemann and Tom McDonald marking everything. Uh, it couldn't have, uh, couldn't have gone any better that first quarter. Tom, Tom um, McDonald's uh, first quarter was fantastic, particularly that first 15 minutes. He was marking absolutely everything, and that, that absolutely set up uh, our win, I reckon. Uh, I think he only kicked one goal uh, then, but just that marking, uh, getting the crowd involved, uh, it all went a big way. Super Mercado. Yeah, and kicking, uh, kicking those early goals is important uh, as well, isn't it? Like McDonald kicked his first, and yes, he did go on to miss the others, but... Wiedemann also kicked his first, and, uh, and it helps them and the side settle. There, there was those first couple of minutes when Geelong looked like they were on on top, and I yep. was starting to uh, nervously adjust the collar a bit. But I think once they once they botched one opportunity, and once we got our our tails up, uh, there was certainly no hint of finals uh, finals nerves by the boys. They just absolutely smashed in, uh, and I think quite frankly scared. Uh, a lot of the Geelong players uh, and the ones that are unscarable like Joel Selwood, they uh, psychologically got under their skin in other ways. Uh, and there was that a couple of hints of comeback, um, but it set it up to the point where they could never even get close enough to, to launch a decent comeback. Uh, and the game was practically, as we know now, one by one by quarter time. It was fantastic. Uh, absolutely, we had uh, our, uh, probably one of the best tackling performances I've seen from us pressure-wise uh, all over the field. It was almost the opposite of the uh, Round 23 game last year. Um, where uh, Did we not lay a tackle in the first yep. 10 minutes or something? Minutes, yep. This was just t- a tackle fest the whole game, and it was ferocious tackling. Uh, and smothers. Smothers, uh, Jordan Lewis, a couple smothers, and... Uh, just fantastic. Great to have Viney back. Um, yeah, 11 tackles. I actually thought at one stage that we might run out of gas because yep. we were putting so much effort 
and intensity into that pressure game, uh, I thought we might just be weary late in the game because we were just th- we were throwing them about. Um, and as Super Mercado said, we um, I think we put the fear of God into them because we uh, and it's been said by all the commentators uh, in the wash up, we basically bullied them into submission. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, cut off the – and even though Selwood, you know, on paper had a good game statistically, like cutting those – the big three off uh, and holding Hawkins reasonably well compared to last time, I think they're, they're lesser lights. Uh, that was a, a very good example of when the, the bottom six, so to speak, uh, comes in, the difference between the two is really important because our bottom six – was uh, a lot more useful than theirs. I think there was a point in the first quarter where everyone on our team had had a possession yeah. and they still had about 10 players that hadn't touched the ball yet. Yeah, it's a, that was a, I heard that stat. Uh, that's amazing. Um, Wasn't it great to see uh, Duckwood get sucked in um, just in front of the interchange bench there and uh, uh, obviously Tom Hawkins had the ball taken off him and we got the free kick, but... For all that they've done to us over the years, and most recently being that milked free kick that Dangerfield uh, got and which Selwood congratulated him on uh, down at the Cattery, it was great to get a bit of uh, bit of our own back, wasn't it? And, and it had also been earlier where uh, Neville Jetta tackled him and he basically tried the usual trick of, uh, you know, getting down lower to get the free and all it ended in doing was having Neville's shoulder smash him right in the head, so... <laughs> Just uh, live by the sword, die by the sword, I suppose. And, and well done to the umpire for uh, not that he was uh, deliberately trying to milk the free with the uh, with the shoulder to the head. That was just collateral damage. But well done to the umpire for not getting sucked in by the by the visual and paying the free against Neville. Yeah. Um, do- well done to the umpires in general. Actually, it was uh, it probably got a few ropey ones in our direction but bloody hell it's about time oh absolutely i was going to say it's about time we did um that free kick to sell against selwood on the boundary what what did you think of that was that there yeah definitely letter of the law yes i mean i I wouldn't pay it in an ideal world but to the letter of the law i think yes hard to argue it we would have been filthy had it been the other way and we were kicking for goal and that happened to us. So, Disgrace. Uh, I, yeah, I, I sort of always uh, judge uh, free kicks by uh, how would I be uh, if, if the roles were... No, if, if, that, if, the, if, um, if that was the reverse, I'd be ropeable with our player. That's true. It would depend who it was. If it was Lewis like, oh, or Oh, what a disgrace. But if it was someone more expendable, yeah. someone who's a designated whipping boy, <laughs> let's just say, for instance, Jack Watts in the past. <laughs> I don't think Cal Jack... Wharton or someone like that. Oh, you idiot, what are you doing? I don't, you think Jack, I don't think Jack would have ever done anything like that. He's too nice. That's true. That's <laughs> true. They're not, they're not exactly the, uh, the fighting types. No, like you'd get angry at Jordan Lewis for doing something like that because yes. you know, he should know better. And um, yep. so I think that's probably a better thing considering uh, he's the ca- Selwood's the captain and he should know better. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, that that was fantastic. Love that. Um, well, yeah, look, you know, the, I, I didn't have any concerns about Jack Viney coming in, not having played a lot of football. How long has he been out? Six, seven weeks? Yeah. Um, I didn't have concerns, uh, and he should, certainly showed, um, 
you know, his worth because uh, you can't uh, you can't buy pressure like that. As you mentioned, um, Grapevine, 11 tackles um, and that one in the middle, uh, I know Selwood fell over and he just pounced on it, on him and then it uh, ended up in uh, Nathan Jones' goal. Um, just beautiful stuff. And you know you've watched the highlights too much when before before you came on, I was listening to the highlights and I could visualise absolutely everything as if I was yes. watching it just from listening to the uh, listening to them call it, and that was a that was that was a good one because uh, I think Selwood had a had a sook when he got tackled as well because you hear the umpire yep, fair tackle tell him, to tell him bad luck fair tackle yeah yeah well if you slip over you've played on and slip over and get caught that's a that's dropping the ball or holding the ball every day of the week Their there was the one I think later all when the, night all night the they whinged every single contest. Yep. Selwood, now, probably the chief protagonist. I enjoyed Ablett blaming his teammates for the uh, smothered kick on the boundary line. <laughs> Did he? Was, yeah. he? He started pointing. <laughs> he loves to point. It's like, that's such a cliched thing. It's like, I think it was even in a Fox footy ad earlier this year. It was like, <laughs> yeah, when you stuff something up, just point and make it look like you're uh, to take the heat off yourself. Yes. Um, it was, Sam Wiedemann, uh, has he arrived? Uh, do we need to see more? Um, certainly was taking those those marks, kicking the goals, a uh, lot of possessions. Uh, what do you have, 24 possessions, seven marks, um, three goals. Uh, certainly his best uh, stats and best game. Uh, yeah, I mean, talk about performing on the big stage. So, um, yeah, couldn't ask for... Uh, I mean, he must be pinching himself. Um, that the spots opened up and uh, he's absolutely put it to good use. Um, talk about taking your chances. What I've always felt about Wiedemann, and I think I've even said it on air before, is that every time he got the ball, he looked good. He just didn't get the ball enough. Then in the last yeah. three weeks, he's he's lifted his uh, possession, his record number of possessions every week for the last three weeks. Uh, and yes, when he gets the ball, he looks great. So it, there was never any question about his uh, his talent. It was just a matter of getting the ball into his hands more. Uh, and we've managed to do that the last three weeks. And he, he's been absolutely incredible. Uh, and it was extremely exciting to hear everyone uh, yelling weed at the same time. Yeah. When he uh, when he ever he got the ball. So that's that's the making of a, a cult figure there. And look, it's it's going to be it's always going to be hard to match up on uh, on both Wiedemann and Tom McDonald in terms of marking strength. Um, and we'll talk about Hawthorne a bit later on in the show. But they're you know they're probably going to focus a lot on Sam Wiedemann because he's the the man of the match. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to be uh, you know don't uh, you know don't uh, do that at the expense of uh, Tom McDonald because then he can run riot. Um, so, yep, it's great to have two big guys who can take take a grab. Um, Harmsy just keeps getting better and better. We've said it every week for the last six, seven weeks. Um, fantastic. He's, he's, his game, on, you know, being able to cover a player and still rack up the, the possessions um, and, and, t- and have 10 tackles. Amazing. And get forward and kick that goal, yes. which was just uh, like gut running to get forward and into space for that goal. And from a beautiful kick by uh, D-Milan's own uh, Charlie Spargo. I mean, I if you'd said at the start goal. of the year 
that uh, James Harms and Sam Wiedemann would be vying off for best on ground in a, in our first final. Um, I think uh, <laughs> you know you, you would have been um, uh, you would have been committed. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So, um, and look, I was wrapped with our, our defence as well. Um, uh, I thought, um, uh, I thought, um, uh, who's that forward? I always forget his bloody name because I hate him so much. Tom Hawkins. Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> I thought he, you know, he got got it, got it, got in front of uh, Frosty a few times to take marks, but. Um, I still think Frosty had a good game. Um, well, the the rest of their forward line was absolutely non-existent. Exactly. So you can you can wear one one forward getting a, into space a couple of times if there's no other forwards getting anywhere near it. But I thought what was good we, we were getting them quite wide as well. Um, I mean, Tom Hawkins still kicked a couple of goals from the boundaries. Um, you know, he just can't miss that guy sometimes and I'm glad that uh, he had that uh, the ball taken off him uh, due to the Selwood free kick because he probably would have nailed it. Can't yeah. miss against I that. mean you look at there you take out the last two goals which were cheapies in junk time um, and look I think we kept them to their lowest score for the year anyway but uh, you take out those final two goals and uh, um, there's the story of the night. Um, the back line was superb and defensively, the whole team was uh, was excellent. So, what what do you take out of the uh, the the one goal in two quarters things? Uh, do you look at it as well? We had eleven scoring. I think we kicked one goal ten uh, after our after the first quarter. Um, you know, but we were still having shots on goal. We just weren't kicking them, and you know, so so the the effort was there, um, but. That type of kicking can lose your matches. Uh, didn't in this case, but um, what do you guys think of that? Well, you wouldn't want to do it every week, no. that's, but that's for sure. Um, yes, we got away with it this time because we were a hundred percent on everywhere else on the ground. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't get away with that every week. Uh, but like you said, we had the chances. Like Neil Bullen had the chance, pretty easy chance to extend the lead even further at the start of the, the second quarter. Uh, and there was all those other ones. It was funny. We didn't actually – correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we actually got a goal from anything but a set shot until Nathan Jones at the start of the last quarter, which is not hard considering we only kicked one in the middle two. But there was really that lack of goals out of nowhere. Um, but there were a lot of missed chances out of nowhere. So on another day, that, that might um, – you know that might go in, and look, it, they just kept going. Yeah, kept there was no, there was no, uh, you know, no, no one took a backward step because we were missing a few. They just kept smashing into them. We were, they got two lucky goals on the break. Um, maybe not lucky, but they got two goals from very limited opportunities down the other end. And look, it just we were strangling them. Um, it was great. If it was a lesser team, we would have won that by. Yeah, a hundred points probably the way we were playing. Um, uh, it's it's funny. I was uh, I was <laughs> at the game. I sort of, and it happens to me a lot. Sometimes I don't notice uh, Clayton Oliver, um, and then I look and see that he has thirty possessions. And then I watch the replay and I see all the amazing uh, things that he do, does, extracting the ball. 
that you don't always notice at the game because he's so quick with it. Um, and that happened to me again. Uh, sometimes in the match, I was saying I didn't didn't notice Oliver, and then I had to look up, and you know he's had he's had twenty handballs. So uh, does that happen to you guys? Or, or yeah, first or, half. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I thought Oliver had a good game. I didn't think uh, it was his best game. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you're talking uh, talking about someone who we've now got extremely high standards um, and expectations for. So, um, yeah, look, still a, a very, very good game. Look, he's had 30 possessions and six tackles. So, um, you know, yeah. he's, the pressure's there as well as being able to extract, extract the ball. Um, uh, my favourite bit of play of his was uh, in the middle. Um, he collided with uh, Selwood. Uh, Selwood f- fell over and uh, Oliver kept his feet, got a handball out. I'm, I'm not sure if we got a goal out of that play. Um, but His balance, balance yeah. was just superb in that contest, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you ever want to describe Clayton Oliver to someone, uh, show him that bit of vision. Um he hasn't had less than 10 contested possessions in a game since round 22 in his first season, 2016, uh, on a day when we were absolute slurry against Carlton. Uh, every single game last year, he had at least 10. Every single game this year, he's had at least 10. Um, that's You just get that from him every week. Um, and anywhere up to 25 this week, uh, this year, against Adelaide, hopefully this week as well. Uh in a game, in a game now where contested possession is so important, he is just a completely reliable player that you know you're going to get something out of every week. We're really developing a formidable midfield. Um, you know, the harms Oliver add to that. Brayshaw has had the second coming of Brayshaw um, this year. Um, look, we always knew Brayshaw was going to do this. I think in his first season, he showed us, but then because of the concussions and all that time that he missed. You know, we sort of forget that uh, how good he is and he's just showing it uh, this year, wrapped wrapped with the year that he's had. Um, m- moving on, um, play, Team Land Player of the Year. Uh, how did your play, uh, Maxi Gorn retook uh, top spot. Uh, how did your team, your uh, Player of the Year, uh, Super Mercado, well, I had, I had Wiedemann, uh Harms as the top two, uh, and then I had Tom McDonald three, then Oliver and Jetta. Uh, so in mine, Oliver has an eleven vote lead over Max. So Max needs uh, needs to get us to the grand final, <laughs> and somehow find a way for us to get to the grand final without Clayton Oliver scoring too many more points. Uh, if he wants to be any hope of grabbing the Djakovic. Uh, Oliver, I think he might actually be the first player other than Nathan Jones ever to win it twice in a row if he if he gets up this year. Uh, and Bailey Fritch now can't be beaten in the uh, in the Jeff Hilton Rising Star medal. <laughs> uh, and Christian Salem still leads the uh, Marcus Seacamp medal for Defender of the Year. There was a, a late protest from a reader who, who demanded Bailey Fritch be uh, elevated into the mix for the Defender of the Year. And then as if reading my mind, Champion Data posted a tweet showing his, his positions for the year, and I don't know how the hell they determine these, but apparently he was a forward for the first four weeks. He was a wingman till about round 20, and he's only been a defender since round 21. So nah, he's, he's that's, pl- that's answered my question. Uh, I reckon he's played uh, 
in defence a lot earlier than that. But uh, who am I to mess with champion data? No, we don't. This is want... just a get out of jail free option for me. Uh, and I've instituted a uh, as yet unnamed medal for the best finals player, which will no doubt I'm going to call it the Nathan Jones medal. But it would be a bit <laughs> weird to do that now. Uh, so the weed is the surprise leader in that award. Uh, yes, he is. Um, uh, that, that, speaking of Jonesy, uh, that goal that he kicked and the celebration, um, there was a photographer who had uh, prime posse for that and uh, captured a great photo of him, which has now been immortalised uh, into graffiti, which will probably be <laughs> painted over in a few days. Uh, but isn't it great to see a bit of uh, a bit of Melbourne, a bit of the demons around about town, and not just with the graffiti in in Hosier Lane and Higgins Lane or whatever it's called, or Higson Lane. Um, but uh, the I don't know if you've been driving on the Tala Tallamarine Freeway and gone under that sound barrier thing where it's got the red and blue, and I'm not sure if the red and blue is for Melbourne or they just thought they were two good colours to put together. Uh, but great to see a bit of demon flavour around town. Well, apparently out my way, I'm in the uh, semi-regional fringe of Melbourne and my uh, my wife was, was driving out in the country areas and she went past a, a uh, road sign where someone had just graffitied, go D's across it, <laughs> which is just the, the sign that uh, the frenzy is real. Well, I, I don't usually associate... Uh demon fans with uh, that type of behaviour. You, you would think there'd be more of a go pie spelt wrong somewhere. Um, that's, that's how big the bandwagon is. It's taking on all uh, all comers. And it's great. Uh, I mean, there's been, I mean, there's only six teams left in, in, in the competition at the moment, but there's been a lot of uh, articles heavily weighted towards the demons. Are, are you sick of all the, um, of all the, uh, publicity surrounding us at the moment i I know it's probably because uh everyone loves a fairy tale story um so we're getting sort of the um our fair share of uh media coverage um what do you guys think of that well it's not just that i mean uh um you've only got a few teams left in the competition anyway uh the local papers tend to focus on the local teams so uh, it's sort of Richmond, Collingwood, and us at this stage, isn't it? Left, I guess. Or Hawthorne, and uh... Uh, sorry, and Hawthorne um, uh, to be finished with on Friday night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, look, there were I think there were three days in a row where we were on the front of the Herald Sun, uh, that big picture of Jonesy. Um, so I love it. Um, it takes me back to my childhood of waiting for the Sunday papers. Um, to come out and hoping that there'd be a Melbourne picture or a Melbourne graphic on the uh, front page of the sports, the sports lift outs. I'm enjoying it as well. I think last week we, uh, you know, we blew up the media curse with all the stories about us pre-finals and that didn't have any, any effect. So bring it on, I reckon. I mean, there'll be a few, no doubt, should the worst happen on Friday, a few Hawthorne fans, we didn't get any publicity this week. Um, but quite frankly, everyone is sick to death of Hawthorne. We've heard the stories. They've got – there's nothing interesting now that we can learn about Hawthorne that we probably didn't know last year, whereas all these Melbourne players, not only has no one ever heard of them, but your James Harmses and Sam Wiedemans of the world that have come from the clouds in the last month and, and the papers probably didn't even get the chance to focus on Harms, especially in the regular season. Uh, it's a much more interesting story, uh, and I think it is going to be Australia versus Hawthorne 
on Friday night. Uh, going back uh, about the crowd we were talking about with Charlie Spargo, um, it really was uh, like it was a we were playing an interstate team because there had to be um, you know sixty to seventy thousand D's supporters or the you know the the neutrals who were jumping on board the demons bandwagon and I particularly noticed it at the end of the game because um, we when we were singing the song and all the Geelong bays had left there were a couple of bays empty bays throughout but then 70 65 to 70 percent of the stadium was still full with demon fans so you could sort of see those areas which were Geelong but uh yeah, uh, why, why did Geelong people not go to the game? I mean, it's not like they didn't have their fair share of tickets available for them. What happened there? Or I you... think there's a large, dormant Melbourne supporter base there. Um, and even though you get equal ticket allocations, and Geelong have got a, a big supporter yeah. base, there's no doubt about that, but the MCC is primarily made up of Melbourne supporters. And so you get the, I don't know how many, maybe 20,000. Um, so that that's an extra 20,000 in our favour on any given day. So I think that helps that helps swing things. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, with, I don't think, unless you get a situation like Richmond GWS in the prelim last year, that we will ever see a game with that larger crowd where we have that bigger numbers in the audience. Um, I reckon it was 65,000 to 25,000 in our favour. And by the end, it was 65,000 to about 5,000 because people were bailing out left, right and centre in the last quarter. Uh, And the noise, I, I can't... I was in such a a zone at the time that I can't go back now and think was the noise bigger for the Jones goal or the Hannon goal. I'm going to say the Hannon goal because it had more anticipation behind it. And according to BT, it went for 35 minutes. (laughs) Uh, I think that was the bigger one because that was the sealer, but the Jones one was mighty as well. Yeah. Both of, both of them were equally um, spectacular. Um, the Hannon one uh, was where, I, as I said earlier, was where I lost my voice. I, um, I, and I'll bring up this topic. I, uh, and we've been talking about it during the year. I had a bet with my uh, brother-in-law and his kids, my nephews. Uh, they're Geelong fans. It was a season-long bet. Um, I finally won it uh, round 23 uh, when the D's won, and it assured us to finish higher on the ladder than them. Uh, but then, so the bet was, uh, the loser has to wear the winner's Guernsey at the next dinner that we have together. Um, and that was the other day, but there was the chance that we play them in the final, which we did. And then they beat, if they were to beat us and then had to wear our, our jumper, it would make my victory not so sweet. Uh, but turns out, as we all know that, uh, that I got to enjoy watching them squirm while eating and uh, wearing a demon's jumper. Um, so when Hannon kicked that goal, I turned to where they were sitting. I wasn't sitting with them. They were about 30 bays over, but I knew where they were sitting and my cheer was towards them. And little did I know that they'd already left the ground. <laughs> so um, 
that cheer sort of fell on deaf ears. But uh, I pretended that they were there, and um, yeah, very uh, very happy with that bet that I won. Um, did you see the Wizards celebration? Um, wasn't it great to see see him there. He was going off. Uh, that was just about the best thing that happened on the <laughs> night, I reckon. And I would have paid an extra uh, an extra hundred dollar premium on the ticket to be seated near uh, to be seated near the Wiz just for that. I just I know people were happy. Uh, can people just stand back and let a man perform though? <laughs> There were like people asking, running over and grabbing for No, just get out of the way. He was he was on fire like that. That's like you know jumping on the stage at a you know <laughs> at a theatre performance or something. Like it was. Uh, no one's ever done better work than that in tracksuit pants at the MCG. It was magnificent. <laughs> it was great to see Wizards. Great, great to see all the uh, ex-Demon players. You see them on social media. They're all all getting uh, back back on board, um, supporting the Ds, and it's good to see. Um, it's good to see. There's still still got a love of the Ds. Um, so, I reckon Jeff Farmer would be the most beloved player who actually played more games than another club. I'm pretty sure he did play more games than Frio. Did he play yeah, more? Marginally, more 131 to 118. Yeah. He, yeah. he would be the most beloved player we've got that played more games at a different club. Now, I might be missing someone extremely obvious in this, um, but there, there couldn't be too many. Are you talking about uh, if they started at Melbourne? Because uh, well, Jordan yeah. Lewis is... <laughs> is uh, well, no offense yeah, to yeah. Jordan Lewis, but uh, <laughs> I, I have much more love for the, for the whiz than I do for Jordy. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, you know what? I think I've um, I think I've forgotten uh, that that, or maybe I've uh, purposely forgotten that, that the Wiz played that many games for Frio. Um, did, us, did us in after the siren? Yes, he did. There was a classic moment in that comeback game in two thousand and eight, where early in our comeback, something happened, and he pointed to the scoreboard, and. I love the Wiz and I loved him then and, and, and all but gee, I got some mileage out of that yelling stupid shit from the crowd after the game <laughs> about him pointing at the scoreboard. But, you know, no hard feelings. Uh, unlike other certain other people who have left our club, no hard feelings at all uh, overall to the Wiz. He's welcome back anytime. Um. So I, I think we'll, we can cast our eyes uh, on the uh, next game now. We, our injury list is the same, hasn't changed, but there was training this week, and from what I read, um, uh, did Hibbard, I don't think he got injured at training, but I think he might have, uh, I think he might have come on, come a bit late and left the track early, um, but it might have been a bit sore. So I, I haven't heard anything from the club. Uh, has there any been anything announced? Yeah, apparently late today on SEN, they either spoke to him or spoke to someone and he's 100% fine and ready to go. So no okay. issue. He had a light training week following soreness. General soreness. All right, well, that's good. Uh, do, you, do you guys expect any, any changes uh, from a winning lineup? Mm, no. I mean, no, I don't either. I'm a bit – I still don't know where Tyson fits in with Viney in there. I see the old Jack Viney as a forward red herring was successfully deployed and then totally not – didn't go anywhere near playing as a forward. No. Um, and Tyson, look, he wasn't terrible, but 
the problem is I don't really know who you're going to bring in that's going to going to court give any more benefit. Um, I'm still your man Spargo. I don't know if he's just running out of gas a bit at the end of the season, but at the same time, again, not really sure who's going to come in to replace him and provide more. So, look, I'm going to say no, um, but, you know, maybe a Tyson for Candy Harris or something. It's just, I don't know. I just don't know if I trust the people who are out in a game of this magnitude. So I'd be happy to see no change. Yeah, it's hard, particularly with Casey not playing this week uh, or last week, uh, that they, you know, it's, there's no form uh, to, to, you know, it's not like anyone played the house down last week and he's knocking on the door. Um, and you'd be hard done by to be dropped from a side that, um, well, on the scoreboard won by five goals, but really won by ten goals. Um, uh, so... Yeah, you'd be you'd be stiff to miss. You'd be stiff, but if it need if if it needs to be done for the uh, tactical side of things, um, then I guess that's the gamble gamble the coaches have to take. Yep. Now, how, how confident are you guys going into uh, this game? I, I must say, I'm usually of an all year. I've been quite quite negative. Um, uh, but I, I don't know, my MFC SS seems to escape me. I, I'm quite bullish about the Ds at the moment, and I, I haven't had this feeling for a long, long time. Um, I don't know, am I just drunk with uh, with the victories we've had over the past couple of weeks, or or is there something to this? No, there's. I reckon there's substance behind the sizzle, uh, and... I mean, I was confident before the Geelong game and I remain remain confident about this week. Um, going into Geelong, I always thought that we can knock off Hawthorne the week after too. And uh, that's how it remains for me. Are you guys... I, yeah, go, yeah go I do have this unnatural feeling of positivity uh, about things at the moment, but at the same time, I'm terrified of Clarko. Yep. Like I think from my limited knowledge slash interest of tactics, I feel that he stuffed up a few things in the Richmond game. And it's like I'm just waiting for him to, to come back with a vengeance now. Uh, and he's reached that stage where you just think he's he's going to have something. It's going to be like, oh, you know, that Wiedemann bloke, I'm going to stitch him up. You know, James Harms, I'm going to stitch him up. So I'm more worried about Hawthorne's coach than pretty much any of the Hawthorne players. Um and, and I'm surprised that we're as over overwhelming favourites as we are, but I certainly think that probably the same as last week. I think we either win or we go very close to winning. Are you at all worried about our uh, previous uh, game uh, this year? I think it was our biggest loss for the year. Um, uh, we were so long ago. Yeah, it was one. It was long ago. Uh, terrible conditions for most of the game. Um, it's a completely different team, almost yep. uh, makeup yep. of the team. Uh, you know, we, we burst out of the gates five goals to two, um, and then I think we only kicked one more for the rest of the game to their eighteen or something. Um, I think they got sixteen of the last seventeen goals. So, um, you know, they were they they were doing. Their pressure was like our pressure the other nights in back in that game. 
Um, you know, we were we were fumbling in that game, but I guess it's a different team going into it. So, um, Clark's, you're right. Clarkson is is the could be could be the key. Um, you know, we know he's a great coach, um, but hopefully our pressure can, um, you know, can can stick the, unstick them. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, on last week's showing, Goodwin, uh, you know, he's he's not only 1-0 in finals, but he's 1-0 tactically in finals as well. It's not like we got lucky uh, to win that game. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I remember a a game, the first preseason game of 2007 where it was like us and Hawthorne just went in opposite directions. They they came from down, down on their luck and we came from being allegedly Victoria's number one premiership hope and just whoosh totally past each other. Uh, Feels fingers crossed. This may even be the night uh, that the Goodwin can pull off a similar manoeuvre on Clarkson. Uh, Bin Man in the chat room said he tried to call in and would love to hear from him. Uh, try again, Bin Man. Um, I'm not sure why it didn't. Uh, Skype is open, but Skype is crap at the moment. So uh, yeah, do please do try again, and uh, we'll take your call. Um, while we're waiting uh, for for that, um, uh, did you see? And I, I, I don't know how much stock you take in this. Uh, umpires uh, were announced today. Um, my favourite topic, um, and we've got one of the umpires that I absolutely hate. I don't know. I don't really know the other two, but Matthew Nichols is officiating. Uh, if you're familiar with him. Um, he's the guy that, um, if you recall, Maxi, um, when he balled up the ball, and Maxi thumped the ball away. Oh, he wasn't. <laughs> he got angry. Yeah, got very angry at uh, old Maxi. So, well, I was surprised that there was no um, Wildcat video reviews last week that were completely unnecessary. That's usually a, a Ray Chamberlain a trait. Uh, he did call a few a freeze from about forty five meters away, though. So yeah, he loves that. He got something in for the evening. Um, yeah, I don't really know the other two umpires, but uh, let's hope uh, let's hope they don't have an influence on. Let's the hope game. we don't know know them by name by the end of the week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I always refer to Nichols as that bald, uh, and I won't repeat the rest of it. <laughs> um, do, 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 do we dare to dream and even dare to look ahead of uh, ahead of this week? Um, because the preliminary final time was announced. Uh, I believe they're playing the game at one uh, twenty uh, Perth time, uh, being three twenty here. Uh, if we were to win this week, are you happy with those ta- that time? Uh, I'd be happy with eight a.m. on a Tuesday morning uh, preliminary <laughs> final. Just get me there, and we're good to go. Excellent, as would I. Uh, but in general, I do think I sort of don't understand why the games aren't reversed and they're yeah. not playing this on Friday night. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. that either. But I must say, for the, uh, you know, there, there's so many Melbourne fans who have said they're going to go to this game that it could actually get ropey for uh, getting tickets in the Melbourne allocation. But it does suit me better if we beat Hawthorne. It does suit me better that this game's played on Saturday. So. I will certainly uh, be. I'll certainly be trying to go at the very minimum uh, to Perth. Yeah, I've um, I've uh, I've said I'm going to go if uh, if we win this week. Obviously, taking one week at a time at the moment. But uh, 
I I have looked ahead. How does it work? Do we know? Do we even know uh, how it works? Um, I know it's on Ticketmaster, of, not Ticketek, so that should get that should cut off about twenty five hours of searching. Do we get the same allocation as West Coast? What's the What's the oh, story there? I doubt it. But why not? <laughs> mm. I don't know. Uh, it's. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I do. I already know. I know a few Melbourne supporters who have said they're they're going over. So um, yeah, it could be uh, flights could be an issue. Um, they've booked flights on points. They've booked hotels with like seven day get out clauses. It's bloody insane. Like it's uh, the the lid is the lid is so far off that it it's interfering with uh, civil aviation. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, um, but. Uh, but exciting at the same time. Yeah, I mean, for for us, uh, hmm. I just for, don't want it to backfire. Honestly, I just, you know, I just want to get through this week because I think we can win this week. If we go to Perth, I will think we can win, but I will expect not to. Whereas losing this week now, at the start of the season, you say we'll give you one finals win. We'd probably be like, yay, I'll take that every day of the week. But now I want one more. You know, and I want it to either end in a grand final or an insane road trip to a snake pit full of 50,000 lunatics who are uh, baying for our blood. Now I'm greedy. It's, it's come to that. <laughs> I, think that it's, I think that's what it is with me. I think I'm, I'm getting greedy now. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, Skype uh, working again. Um, well, good evening. Welcome. Uh, you're on the air. Who am I talking to? Uh, this is Don't Make Me Angry. Oh, Don't Make Me Angry. How are you going tonight? Oh, fantastic. How's everybody? Yeah, we're good. Um, I just uh, restarted Skype. but Not only I, I signed out and signed back in. Uh, I've got to work out this, uh, being able to turn off the ringing volume, which it was easy to do in the previous version. But uh, anyway, um, what do you want to talk about tonight? Oh, just the, um, I went to the game on Friday. and made a trip down from um, Atuka. And, um, yeah, and, I, and last Monday night, I got my, you know, I bought my tickets. And I said, oh, I wonder how much the tickets were. And I, you know, I checked best available tickets and they were like $90. And I said, that's not very good. So I checked, you know, category seven and um, it popped up $35 and then $10 for a child. So I bought me and my ticket to go. And then it was at, it said M33. And I'm thinking, where's M33? And then, do you know exactly you know where M33 is? Is it in the Ford pocket? Yeah, well, it's in the, um, the Geelong... Is that where Jeff Farmer was? <laughs> no, no, it was in the Geelong cheer squad. Oh, in the Geelong cheer squad or, or, or next to it? Right in, the, right in the middle of it. All right. <laughs> I was right in the, uh, so I got seats right, you know, right in the middle of the goalposts. Was it... About two, row, two rows back from their cheer squad. And geez, that cheer squad's annoying. They've got these huge flags that they wave behind, wave around, and you can't see the replay of the what the, you know. You want to see what happened, how they kick their goal, and you can't see the replay because these stupid big flags are all bloody waving with your long um, cheer well, squad. Well, I'm not I'm not uh, sure if you're familiar with cheer squads, but they generally have uh, big flags that they wave around and. I, I noticed that the Geelong cheer squads have copied us and have the big, uh, you know, faces, the big heads of the players, as well. Yeah, but um, well, the great story they had on that night. So there was my, me and my son there, and um, 
you know, I was right in the cheer squad. And um, in the last quarter, every goal that we kicked, I, I would stand up and wave my um, scarf around. So I was right in the middle of the cheer squad waving my scarf around as the, um, you know, as we kicked the goals in the last quarter that were sealing the game. And um, and I just looked behind me and all I could see was Geelong faces around me. And I'm like, and my son's like, Dad, 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 get down, get down. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. I said, no, I'm going to keep on doing that, you know, and keep on antagonising the crowd. And then I had one a nuffy there and um, one Geelong supporter touched me with his scarf and I said, what's wrong? What's, what, what's the go, mate? What's wrong? I said, what's wrong? Um, you can't handle it. <laughs> you know, um, and then when he was going, he said, see you. And I said, See ya, buddy. See you later. Say so you have to go in a hurry. Um, a wrong supporter. So that was a that was a great night. Uh, so it was actually a good spot to be right in their cheer squad to to give it back to them after those close losses this year. It it's was, very uh, lucky the considering they were probably the only Geelong fans in the stadium. Yeah. The... Yeah, but uh, well, I, the goal square there there was pretty much only Geelong. You know, <laughs> I was surrounded by them. So as far as I could see, there was more Geelong than Melbourne where I was. My point, but um, I didn't mind being in that in that area. I was like, oh, this is great. I can. And when we were winning, that was really great when I could wave my arms um, scarf right in the middle of their cheer squad. So that was um, did very you, good. Did you buy your tickets? Was that general admission or was that on the Melbourne membership? No, um, general admission. Oh, um, that's why. That's why you were probably in the Geelong area. Yeah, that's probably well. It's probably one of the you know. It's probably that was probably allocated for you know Geelong members. And then by Monday night, whatever spare tickets were, you know, once the membership tickets had been uh, been given out and the public was open, I guess what they what they don't take up, their Geelong supporters don't take up, is um, available for general admission, and that's how you get right in the middle of their cheer squad. Yeah, uh, that's pretty poor on Geelong, the Geelong fans' uh, perspective, that they can't uh, out of their their mem- What's what's their membership like, Super Mercado? You might uh, you might be able to know. Oh, I reckon it's around the same as ours. Really, I would have thought it was a, it was more, but uh, I'll, I'll it's, Google. It's it's pretty poor that uh, they had you know they didn't have. Uh, and I'm not expecting them to because a lot of Melbourne supporters come out of the woodwork in finals, particularly because we're not blessed like Geelong have been of making it every year. It's just like another, just like every season for them. Um, okay, I was a bit out. They've got 63,000. Yeah, so it's pretty poor that, uh, you know, Melbourne supporters are able to get their general admission uh, allocation and sit in their cheer squad. Um, I, what I loved about their cheer squad was the fact that um, that they were um, that they were enclosed on both sides by, by Mel- Melbourne Bays, uh, whereas the Melbourne cheer squad, you know, had the next, you know... 10 or 15 around them, uh, all, all demons. So we really did outnumber them. It was like playing an interstate team. But considering Yeah, I don't like our chances this week of uh, having such a massive stack, but um, no, I don't think I'd so. certainly like to. I, th- I think we might, uh, there might be a little bit in our favour. Hawthorne has a massive uh, membership and, uh, you know, they were able to get 90-plus thousand with the Richmond game, but that's also because of Richmond. But... They'll get over ninety thousand. Are they expecting that uh, great viney? Yeah, I, I think they've they said ninety thousand. Yeah. And I think last week there was a lot of people who came from interstate, specifically on the aches. It was the first one, and B because there might not have been another one who aren't going to back up and come back from interstate again. Uh, so it's going to come a bit more into the middle this time. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping we get the numbers again. I'm, and I'm hoping again that there's only about one Geelong fan within 100 metres of me, this, uh, one Hawthorne fan <laughs> within 100 metres of me like there was with the Geelong fans. Well, I, I, I was in a Melbourne Bay, but my, I was sort of on the end of my bay and the next bay over was, uh, was Geelong. And they were very quiet. Um, didn't hear boo from them for most of the match, uh, which was good too. Uh, so not only did they not have uh, the crowd on their side, they didn't really get much of an opportunity uh, to sort of uh, bring the crowd into the game. Uh, I don't think we'll get uh, that. Um, we won't have that luxury uh, this time. No. Uh, Bin Man, if you want to try and give a call now, it looks like uh, it is working again. Um, but moving moving on... Um, any other topics, boys, you, you want to talk about? Um, I see that um, Jade Rawlings got VFL Coach of the Year, so uh, well done to, to Jade Rawlings. Um, I think he just – was this his first year in that post? He, he was an assistant last year and uh, swapped places with um, – was it Justin Plapp? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, so, you know, good on him. Uh, Coach of the Year coming, I think they – do we finish second at the end of the year? So, um, you know, it's a nice accolade to get. Um, yep. Well, they've got a they've got a prelim to to deal with uh, this weekend as well. So there might be a bit. I don't know if there'll be more or less focus on it if we don't win on Friday night. Um, people thinking let's just get something out of this season versus thinking stuff it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but of course, Casey did make the. When they stopped losing every final they played in a couple of years ago, they did make the grand final against the Bulldogs. Uh, so it would be nice if they made another grand final, especially because it looks like Bernie Vince should be right if they go another week. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if he actually does qualify, but there's been a lot of talk about him in the uh, playing. So he must qualify on his two or three games that he played for them. Yeah, um, I, I heard that he may play even this week, um, but we'll see. Um, we've got another caller on the air. Uh, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. It's Binman. Binman, good day. How are you? Good, thanks. I thought I'd uh, better call in because um, uh, I've yep. called in and predicted the uh, victory, the last three victories, so I didn't want to lose and feel like it was my fault. So uh, <laughs> I'm confidently calling a victory um, for this Friday night. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think it uh, really sets up well for us this match. Yeah, we we um, everyone's got superstitions. Um, I think uh, Grapevine, we talked about this. I think last year about superstitions uh, for the games. Uh, I don't know. I'll ask you guys. Uh, Super Mercado, do you do you have a particular superstition that you must follow? Otherwise, we'll lose or. Has no, it, I've kind of like grown out of them over the years. I always had to eat the Kransky from the Kaiser's sausage outside the Ponsford stand. Yeah. I, had to, I had to eat there before the game. Uh, and I always had to sit in the Ponsford stand, but I sort of weaned myself off that a bit and uh, splitting my time between the stands, although I was back in the Ponsford last week and am going back in there again <laughs> this week, so it feels like home. But no specific. I'm not wearing socks up or Andy's you know, walking backwards to the ground or anything like that. <laughs> Been Buying mad. footy records, like I can't remember the last time I bought a footy record. I know that some people have to do that every time. Well, they became so expensive, I couldn't afford them anymore. Uh, Ten bin, bucks. Bin, bin man, uh, you got any superstitions? Uh, 
no, not really. Not for football. Yeah. I mean, not for attending football other than now my new one of calling teams. Yeah, well, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> generate victories. So um, I'm a habit um, person, so this is probably going to be a habit. I don't know what I'll do over summer. But, um, uh, I mean, I think it's really interesting, this game, this discussion about these two styles that's emerged in the last two weeks, the, um, the that sort of hold it and control the ball um, style that Hawthorne play versus the, you know, it's become D-Rogo, they call it the chaos ball that Melbourne play that Richmond, based on the Richmond game of, you know, forward getting it forward. And um, that's going to be the problem for um, Hawthorne because the problem for their style is they have to be on it. And that's the same thing that happened Geelong. Geelong needed to ball, uh, move the ball properly through the midfield, but their kicking was... I mean, of course, our pressure made it difficult for them to do that, but they couldn't execute. Um, our game plan is less about execution, more on what do they bring the um, two things. They need to bring the gut running to, to the defensive running and that manic pressure. I mean, that that was phenomenal, the um, tackling in that game. If Melbourne bring both of those elements, I can't see us losing. Um, so in, in some respects, the game sets up for us is that we have to for some reason, not bring that energy, um, you know, and I think that that's the advantage that style has because surely we'll bring the energy. Um, but Hawthorne, um, you know, they've got a few, a, you know, six or seven or four or five young players, like, uh, is it Warple or yeah, Warple. Wimple? Or, um, you know, they're the ones who, executing a pressure, like, a, you know, a kick under pressure is a much more difficult thing than committing to making five, six tackles in a game. Um, and I, and I, I really think they are sort of two different styles. But, um, you know, I think that we've, we're bringing such intensity and, um, you know, I, I can't see if we do bring that intensity, Hawthorne being able to sort of kick a winning score. Yeah, my, my issue with Hawthorne... Um has always been that, that kicking game, that uh, possession game, short kicks. They always seem to kill us with that. Um, and uh, Sydney sort of did that a bit to us. Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, that that's what I'm worried about. But if we can play like we did against uh, against Geelong and with that pressure and that manic chaos theory, whatever they call it, yeah, I think we, we can uh, get the better of them. But... Um, uh, another thing that Hawthorne did last time was having that man back um, and now with our two tools down there, I'm sure he's going to have an extra man back down there. So that could be a worry too. And you'll also remember against but... Sydney, we had a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of missed shots on goal. So yep. that that's kind of draws the draws the line between last week and this, and this week. Um, we've got to convert the chances and we've got to stop them from dinking the ball around. Um, and totally unlocking us before they before they go into attack. And I think that's the key. There's two keys, I think, and one is that the intensity of the pressure, the tackling, but it's really that gut running, that defensive gut running um, to cover the outlet and to minimise the amount of uncontested marks. And when they you do give up an uncontested mark, stopping them moving it straight away. That's what Geelong just couldn't do. All of their kicks were under pressure uh, against Swans. In the second, in that period where we lost that game, we we stopped covering the outlet kick, and they were able to move it and transition it. Um, and I think if we can do that, you know, that's um, I, I missed the I came in had a um, committee meeting and um, missed the interview with Spargo, so I'm not sure if you asked about their fitness, but that's been the difference in the last five or six weeks. And I think the thing that Melbourne's such an attacking side all season, but really, and it's started to be noted in the media. I read before the. After the GWS game from round 
16 to 23. We conceded the seventh least amount of points. And in that time, we played Geelong and we played Sydney. We played another um, top eight side, I think. Um, and then we kept GWS, one of the highest scoring sides, to 47 points. Then we um, obviously kept West Coast... Um, um, sorry, not uh, then we kept Geelong to, what, 30-odd points. Uh, it's really our defence, all-ground um, defence is what's really making the difference for us at the moment, not our um, capacity to score. I mean, we're transitioning the ball quickly, but Geelong panicked with that. And the reason we struggled to score, I think, was that they did drop a man back into our um, forward line. So, um, you know, that all-ground pressure is really the critical thing, and I just can't see them not bringing that running. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, fantastic. Um, um, I just, I can't wait uh, to the game this week. I, I don't think I've looked forward to um, games of football as much as I have. <laughs> Maybe it's because we haven't made the finals in so long. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to get. I, wish it was tomorrow um i just want to get out there and, and watch i was going to say get out there and play but uh, that's obviously not happening um anything i must else? say yeah. I've, I've sort of got a strange calm the last couple of weeks like i've been very excited and i'm, I'm you know really looking forward for it but i've kind of just had a like the weights off and i'm just enjoying it the last couple of weeks and look if it if this one gets close in the last quarter i'll probably be uh, struggling not to leave the uh, Kransky sausage on the seat behind me. But I just have this 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 calm that halfway through the game last week, it was almost like I was sitting there and watching, you know, a round 15 game against, you know, GWS or something. Like I just didn't have that tension that I normally do, even in, uh, you know, in normal games. So I'm sure that's going out the window this week and it will be absolutely insane. And it certainly will be the week after if we win. Um, but I've just been surprised at how how much I've kept my excitement uh, to a healthy level with the last couple of weeks, except when I was trying to book tickets. Were you worried? Yeah, <laughs> that's another story. Were you worried uh, at any time in the game, though, um, that Geelong were going to do a, a, you know, a, what happened to us at Cardinia Park a few weeks back? Uh, I think at Three-quarter time, we were about the same amount up we're exactly as we were. exactly the same amount up. Um, and then kicked the first goal. I was goal never worried. Never worried. I, I, go, I went with a good friend of mine who's like a real nervous, like the most nervous and pessimistic fan that you get, you know, would be 100 points up, you'd still be worried that um, they'd come back. Yeah, but that's me. I was saying to him at <laughs> halftime, they were 16 points at halftime. It was the most beautiful night for football, perfect condition, and we kept keeping one of the best-scoring sides of the last 10 years to 16 points. It was a completely different energy and dynamic to the game down at Geelong. Um, and, you know, we've learned our lesson. And, I mean, I think the other critical thing they've done is drop Gorn back. He's amazing when he gets back into that hole. I mean, and and also cutting off the down-the-line kick. Um, the other thing, just the final thing for me about this Hawthorne game, is that, in a way, I think it's set up perfectly because we did leave. We didn't play our best game. You know, if you, sometimes if you're in finals not having watched many of us, but, you know, you see good teams, you know, coming up, they play the best game they can. It's very hard to come, you know, improve off that in the next final. Um, the fact that we kick 110, we easily could have smashed them. I backed Melbourne over 40 points, so I was pretty annoyed that, uh, that we didn't smash them. Um, 
but you know we've got something left in the tank and something they know that they can go up a gear whereas if they flogged them by 100 points um, they, they wouldn't have had that in their mind but they'll be switched on knowing that if, you know I think as Supermercado said if we allow Hawthorne if we kick 110 against Hawthorne well they can beat us so you know it's one of those things where often you see them kick inaccurately one week a team and they'll come out the next week and kick 8-2 instead of 110 um, and I've just got a feeling that Petrarca could have a big game I, I think he's he struggles with nerves a bit. He just looks a bit nervous. And I think that he's got that final out of the way now. Um, and I could really see him causing some problems for the Hawks. Yeah, he, he did a couple of ni- nice things, but definitely uh, probably wasn't as uh, as in the game as he was in the, the final, game, final round game uh, where he kicked three goals. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's teetering on, uh, you know, sort of... That breakout game uh, that uh, on, waiting for. On the topic of winning by 100 points, have we just completely discredited Geelong's last two weeks of the season now? Uh, can we just all admit that that was a, a not a great uh, trial I don't compared think, to, I guess, what we went through? I don't think anyone uh, would argue with that. I think we were all saying it at the time. The only thing yep. that it did was nearly unseat us uh, from, you know, uh, fifth spot. Or you know, had we um, yep, had we lost that one was the of those only games, it was going to have. Um, but other than that, we everyone knew it's not going to be the greatest preparation. They yep. kept saying that they're not worried, but a hundred percent that and the week off um, yep. definitely hurt them. And that's you know they won as many games by a hundred points as we've won in the twenty first century, and look where it got them. <laughs> and I just want to add as well. Um, I said it on Twitter earlier in the week, and I don't really usually put much stock in this but the way the two teams came out on on the other night when they lined up for um, the anthem and the Melbourne players were all arm in arm and they were just sort of standing you know there was a lot of gaps between them there was no camaraderie between them it was I likened it to you know a champion team a team of champions versus a t- champion team Um and I don't know if there's anything to that, but I sort of just even seeing that, I got, I got a feeling that we'd cu- we'd come out firing. Um, and I don't know, there might be nothing to that, and probably isn't, but I don't know, it just sort of stuck out in my mind. Yep. Uh, yeah, I wanted to think at the time that it was going to mean something. <laughs> maybe it like did. I, I tried to convince myself that it didn't mean anything, <laughs> and maybe it didn't, but. <laughs> I, I did notice the same thing. All our guys were arm in arm and they were all just standing there sort of like, you know, like 22 blokes had just met each other on the way to the game. Um, uh, and I was thinking, I want this to mean something. And I am probably can, uh, probably there's some element to go to it to say it did, you know, it did have something, but maybe we were just going to smash them. No matter, even if they did Adelaide style yeah. power stances and all that crap, they still would have got smashed. Harry Taylor was like almost in the crowd. He was that far away from the yeah. last guy. So I don't know. There was just something about it that, the, you know, we came to play like a team. Maybe nothing in it at all. I don't know. It gives yeah. you any advantage. But I don't know. It's it did something. look strange, though. Like, yeah. I, I do. I thought exactly the same thing. And, yeah, I tried not to let it affect where I thought the game was going. Um, but I did honestly think the same thing when they were lined up. But having never paid the skerrick of attention to any other final Geelong's played in my life, um, I don't know what they usually do. Yeah. Yep. I I have no idea. But there was something about that that I I sort of knew we were switched on and would play as a team. But maybe there's nothing to it. Uh, Bin Man, you got anything more you uh, 
you want to contribute? No, that will do me. I'm very, very much hoping I'll get the opportunity to call next week and predict a, um, a, a win against West Coast. I uh, had a bit of a start when I there was something about the um, game, the West Coast prelim game, and the winner of that, you know, will have a seven-day break, which is why they're um, moving the game to one o'clock Perth time. And I thought, well, geez, that could be us going into a grand final. So that certainly um, pulled me up a bit sharp, actually. And uh, um, look, I think we'll win, and I think we'll win this week. I'm really looking forward to the game, and um, I think as Supermercado said before. I'm, a tough trip going um, across to Perth, but it's set up. You have to say it's set up well for us. We've missed Richmond, um, and we know we can win in Perth because we did it yeah. one, three weeks ago, a month ago. So, yeah. um, good call, fellas, and I look forward to listening to the Spargo interview. All right, uh, it'll be available shortly uh, up on demonland.com. Go Dees. Go Dees. Um, I must say, I, I received uh, in the mail uh, today. Um, uh, a thing from the club uh, regarding uh, premium uh, memberships. Um, and Grey Viney, you'll have either received it or will receive it shortly because um, I only received the one uh, for my mum's membership at our office. Um, I haven't received mine yet, but it was in regards to the guaranteed grand final ticket if our team makes it. And um, uh, I think the deal is that um, if we win this week, that's when you have to sort of register to to receive that uh, guaranteed grand final ticket. So I must say, I had a Richmond little. Richmond fans did that today. They had the they had the <laughs> they had to register. Oh, they had to register ticket today. Tech. Yeah. Good luck to that. Yeah, because they've made it. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, t- do you want to talk about? Did you have any problems this week, um, Super Mercado? No, I didn't. So what a surprise that uh, keeping the games apart from each other might actually have been a have been a good idea. And I noticed this week it actually had an option of picking Melbourne allocation, Hawthorne allocation, yeah. which it didn't have last week. So I'm wondering if that uh, that helps them somehow in the background as well. Uh, I'm told end, yeah. the letter, which I haven't received yet, because I have been, uh, I've been guaranteed a grand final ticket since 2011, which has basically been a donation every year. Uh, <laughs> but I'm told the start of it, the letter effectively says, Sorry, but if we're in the final six, the AFL makes us send you this. Sorry yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't read the whole letter. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I, I got stuck in this, that loop, that refreshing loop. Um, I was on the site about 25 minutes, half an hour uh, before, and uh, probably about 20 minutes before. Then it started in this refresh loop, that 10-second refresh loop. Thousands of AFL fans are transacting right exactly. now. Exactly. So I was in that, but then I was reading on Demonland that uh, people who had got on two minutes before had already got their tickets. And I'm sitting there waiting. I don't know if I have to close the window and open it again. I didn't want to get out of the queue and then I get... So I will, needless to say, I'm not very happy with my tickets, but I'm not going to complain because there's people that probably miss out. So I'm not going well, to Well, I went I only did two devices this time because I was so confident they wouldn't cock it up. And the phone... I completed the entire transaction and already had the email confirmation and the the PC was still in the queue. Yeah. So how it works, God knows. Someone... Different IP addresses. Um, yeah, one was on a work computer uh, and one was on my, mo- my personal mobile. So it's not even like... I know there was some suggestion that if you, you sort of smash it with five different devices on the same IP address that it, um, you know, it recognises... Penalises yeah. your position in the queue... Oh, do you reckon yeah, that happened? Because I was doing, doing that. I, I, I was, mean, that's a 
that's a theory. I'm not sure oh, if that's shit. actually real. I, or re- or... I reckon that cost me. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I got on. Uh, I read on Demonland that someone said try using your mobile. They get on straight away, and my mobile yep. was connected to my wireless, so it is the same IP address, and that got on straight away when I went to yep. that. But then I went through the whole thing, and it wouldn't let me pay for it. It kept saying, well, you know, you get the option of what tick, what type of uh, delivery you want, whether yep. you want um, print at home or whatever, the, the straight to mobile. So you would click one of those options and then it would say that option isn't available. So I had tickets and I couldn't buy them. <laughs> so then eventually That's... I got a – so I don't know what happened, but I got royally screwed by a system that apparently worked. So last week. Well, the good news is if we win this week, you'll have to deal with Ticket Tech and Ticketmaster because you'll have to register for your potential grand final ticket and buy the ticket off Ticketmaster. Well, um, if if I I'm guaranteed a ticket, so I don't you know if we do make the grand final, then I care where I sit. I'll sit on the on the stadium roof with the fake bird. I must say, I've always thought, and, and this is in the darkest years in, you know, September when I'd be listening to SEN and it was grand final time, I always thought, like, how does the seating work? Like, would you guys, you know, do you guys get to sit together or does the people who you sit in the same reserve seats as all the time, do they sit together or is it just going to be, if it happens, we're two games out here, I'm not getting too excited, is it just like, absolute massive potluck that you'll just get bang you're sitting next to this bloke he's also a melbourne fan get to know him well the 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 thing that i got um had a, you could put eight barcodes uh into a field so i assume you could oh, pot- potentially to... sit with eight if you had eight people uh right. and I, i've got eight people within the family group who have that guaranteed ticket, so we could sit together. Yep. But then okay. I've got a, we've got a few extras as well, and uh, presumably they might not be sitting with us. Yeah, and uh, I don't think there's any way to guarantee the say eleven or twelve to all sit together. Yeah, but right. well, uh, I would say the eight, final, of yeah. course. Um, so yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's I, I <laughs> looking far ahead. Behind me, weekly, and he was sitting. Uh, he was sitting in a completely different area to where I was uh, the other night. No, so. but that's that's different. That's just the yep. that that that's that's even potluck that you would be sitting sitting with them. Uh, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know how it doesn't work. Uh, like we've got a premium membership, but you don't necessarily get a better seat than any other member uh, category. And that's for these finals games. But uh, yep. presumably, the guaranteed seats would. I would hope they'd be decent seats. Um, I hope oh, they don't ver- stick us in the forward pocket. <laughs> I very much hope to find out. Yeah, in yeah, two exactly. Weeks time. In the end, I'll sit, as I said, I'll sit with the bird, the fake bird on the roof. Um, Correct. Uh, has anyone noticed they uh, they must have done something? Um, I don't know if it's because we don't play Friday night games, so it might be different at night time. But there's been a lot less seagulls. Uh, there are a lot less seagulls on the ground uh, this week than there have been. So I don't know if they improve their seagull security. Um, the the overall uh, <laughs> noise and and movement of the whole stadium might have um, watered them off, as opposed to a you know GWS game and the Suns when there's like five uh, opposition yeah. supporters. <laughs> It is forming a colony in the forward pocket. 
Uh, what do you, what did you go? Uh, we talk about other other games. What what did you think of uh, Toby Green? Uh, his style of uh, jumping into uh, take the mark. Illegal, disgraceful, and should be outlawed. Is no it, questions. Is it any different to uh, a knee into the head when taking a specky? <laughs> That's the funny thing because not really, but. When it's the other way, even sticking the foot in someone's back like that, yeah. no one would think twice about it. Um, I guess it's the, you know, the going down someone's front is just considered so much worse. Um, all I'll say is that like Joel Sell would eventually ducking into Neville Jetta's shoulder, yeah. uh, one day he will stick his leg out like that and something He'll extremely unpleasant is going to happen to his leg. Yeah. Whether that's deliberate or not by somebody else, that something very bad is going to happen to his leg. I mean, presumably this is sort of kick the body, but if he kicked a face, which he did, didn't he? Didn't he get suspended for for a similar incident? Was that he got a he got a fine? But that fine. wasn't in a marking contest; it was in general play. Oh, okay. Uh, his boots got Luke Dalhouse. Yeah. So presumably, if he did one of those mark legs out and kick someone in the face or the nuts. Uh, would well, that be yeah, treated differently? That, that would count as too high. But yes, again, if you if you go up for the big Becky and knee someone in the head and take the mark, yeah, uh, you know, and put him in a coma, it's no drama. <laughs> but you know, I guess that's the yeah, sort of. It's a bit strange that down the front, I guess, is uh, is considered a bit more extreme than down the back. And just while I'm thinking of other other things, uh, failed to mention uh, Nev Jeter. He didn't get a lot of stats, but a couple of things he did was were just fantastic. Um, I put something up on social media today. One of the marks that he took on Dangerfield uh, just read the read the ball so much better uh, yep. than Dangerfield. And, uh, and the stats that. he did have were flawless. He was hundred yep. percent disposal. Oh, was efficiency. it? Oh. Nev, don't expect anything less. I think last week might have been the same, so he's on a he's on a streak. He is a good footballer. Um, boys, anything uh, else you want to bring up? Anything else you noticed this week? Anything you're excited about other than other than the D's? Yeah, just get me to Friday. Yep, bring it on. Yeah, I am excited. All right, well, maybe we will leave it there. Um, uh, Super Mercado, before we go out... Uh, always like hearing about what you've got to sell. Uh, what have got yes, to sell? well, we've, we've got, uh, you can go to demonblog.com or demonwiki.org uh, for all your Melbourne-related uh, stuff. I look forward to, I, I'm not jinxing it, I'm waiting till the finals are over to edit the most finals played uh, page for the first time ever on Demon Wiki. I'm hoping to have a whole bunch, I'm hoping to have four to add uh, to that table. Uh, and you can get me on Twitter at twitter.com. Twitter.com slash demon blog, even. Uh, and we've got a couple of uh, books handy uh, via demon blog or demon wiki if anyone wants to read about uh, us when we were shit. Is, now that we're good. I think, uh, I think I've think i asked you this. Is there any plans on uh, uh, a sequel? If we win a flag, there certainly is. I actually looked in it today um, at a game at the start of 2011 against Hawthorne. That's the first line was something like, you know, nothing brings down the feel good factor like playing against Hawthorne. So. Well, that might that might come in uh, come in handy after this week, but hopefully not. Well, Hawthorne have certainly had the the wood over us for as long as I can remember. Uh, we've had a couple of good wins uh, in my teenage years over them, 
uh, most notably the, uh, I think, 91, where we won two games in a row, one in uh, uh, round 22 and a, round, and a final. Uh, but other than that, they've pretty much uh, had the wood over us uh, for a long, long time. So um, let's put them Our in the biggest ground. ever wins against Hawthorne. Let's focus on that. I'm sure it was in about 1935, <laughs> but let's focus on the fact that our biggest ever victory in a game was against Hawthorne. I wouldn't mind uh, breaking that record this week. That'll uh, have me. <laughs> that'll have me resting easier. All right. Um, thank you, boys. Uh, once again, hopefully uh, we can chat next week uh, on happy terms again. Otherwise, we'll be doing a season post mortem. Um, you want to join us on uh, Demonland? Demonland.com. Speak to us. Uh, all right. We'll be back next week. Go days. Cheerio and go days.